Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Just chilling. What about you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, this is Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 11, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Alright, All right. hopefully we won't have any lag this time and uh, we'll get through this, no problemo. Our uh, contact information is marvel616politics at gmail.com. Visit our website at marvel616politics.com. You can follow us on Twitter at 616politics. And you got our phone? Yeah, our phone number is 616-755-TINA. And on Facebook, you can type in Marvel. 616 Politics. That will take you to our Facebook page. You can become a fan. Yes! We need more fans. And we need you to go to um, to iTunes and write a little review. Rate us and uh, say what you like. Say what you don't like. Be honest. You know, we, we don't like liars. But we like you guys. So, come, join us. <laughs> Alright, well, what's what's been going on? We're in, we're in the new year. We're in year X, year 10, as they call it, as we found out last episode. What's new with you? Uh, just trying to keep up with the daily grind, living my life and partying hard. (laughs) (laughs) Unless your partying includes Tina, I, I really don't see you as a partying type. No, not me. Definitely not at all. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got, you kind of have that outlet. You have the earring. I have tattoos, but you have the earring, so. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's back this train up. Tattoos? Speak of this sin. What? What? You, yeah, man. I got, I got, I guess you can count them as four different tattoos, but I got one on each finger on my left hand. For real? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. I, I do. Yep. Of what? One of them is a symbol. I, I published a comic. I don't know if you read it, but it was a, a few years. It was five years ago. Uh, yeah, but I didn't know you published it. Yeah, published one. We published one issue. Number two is ready to go, but it never got published. And uh, it, the last four pages need to be lettered. So I published a comic, and you know how everybody has their logo. Well, I made a logo. Um, the the company was, or the brand, I guess, was Apology is Policy Productions. I had a, a little A type symbol made up logo and like an apology in, in 1 Peter 3.15 in the Bible, it says always be ready for a defense or apologia or apology, apologia in the Greek for the hope you have in Christ. And so that's how I, I started out. And then uh, the next the next finger is like a right triangle because in college I was a political science major. And one of the things that burned me the most was like, People who said, well, that's a human right. And I was like, well, where do human rights come from? You know, like, who said? Is it just the UN got together and said, well, we declare that to be a human right. I mean, if you make up a human right, then it's not really a human right. It's just, you know, socially constructed. So I I have this on my hand to remind me what rights do we really have and what what rights do we think we have? And uh, the rights that we 
really have in the Bible are the right to eat the fruit or not eat the fruit every day, like like Adam and Eve, the right to make good choices or bad choices every single day. And so that reminds me of that. And then I have a cross because we make most most of our choices are bad. At least I know mine are like, you know, I'm, I'm messing up all the time and I, I'm, I'm losing my patience. I'm getting mad with my daughters or whatever. So that brings us to the cross. And Jesus died on the cross to take away those bad choices. And um, not only the bad choices, but the consequences for those sins, those bad choices, which is death. And because he took he took my place, my punishment, I now have life. And then the fourth one is the Venom symbol, because I'm such a big fan of Spider-Man and Venom. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't know you didn't know. Yeah, people have known me for years, and I've had these for years, and people still come up to me all the time. They're like, "What? What's on your hand? What? What is that?" And I was like, "Oh, I've had this forever." No, you haven't. I've never seen it before. So, are they down your finger, or are they like rings? You know how your finger is divided into three sections if you bend it. Yeah, if they're in the middle yeah. section. They're on the they're on the inside, like palm side on the middle section. Oh, now why did you choose there? Because I thought it'd be easy to, like, I could look at them easy anytime I wanted, but then they'd be also easy to hide because all you have to do is close your hand a little bit, and it's all shadows. Wow. When did you get those? Um, in the Air Force, uh, probably two two and a half years ago. So I guess I haven't had them for years, like old years, but a few years now. The guy who did it. Oh, at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's why I kind of count them as one tattoo, but somebody pointed out to me, he's like, no, you have four. And I was like, well, I guess. But um, the guy who did it, he was like, I've never done it there. I think it's going to wear away. And I was like, well, that's good because I don't know if I want to keep them forever whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, I give it four months tops because the skin's gonna, you know, shed so much on your hands. And mm-hmm. they, they have not gone away. Are they any more dull than what they used to be? They're duller only because right after I got them, I thought it was a terrible idea. And so I picked off the top layer of skin on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible mistake. If anybody out there is thinking of doing that, do not do that. I was on duty. It was in the middle of the night. Nobody was doing anything. I took tweezers and I cut as much as I could off. And then I thought to myself, well, I don't want this to get infected. So I did hand sanitizer and I thought my hand was on fire for hours. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not, I'm not that tough a guy. So I'm going to just leave them as they are. <laughs> so, uh, so I might get them retouched up sometime. People always ask me, Did, didn't that hurt having them done there? I'm like, yeah, 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 it hurt. It's a tattoo, but I really, I don't have them anywhere else. So I really can't compare them. Oh my gosh. It just seems like that would be a very sensitive part. It is. Well, it was. I mean, it was. I tell you what, as soon as I thought I couldn't take anymore, he was done that one and went on to the next finger. So Okay. Well, I know we're trying to make this a shorter episode, but I still have questions about your tattoos. Two more. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Was Jackie cool with this? Did she know you were doing this and 
Okay, well, she was, I, I was in Texas. She was in Louisiana and we were separated for about 10 months. And I called her up and I said, Hey, I know we've talked about this. You know, are you cool with me getting a tattoo on the inside of my fingers? And she's like, yeah, do what you want. That's fine. And she said, you know, how big are they going to be? And I said, oh, they're not going to be that big. And so when I said inside a finger, she thought between the fingers. So all I had to do was close my hand like, like, you know, how Spock says live long and prosper, like close those fingers together. But, but they're on the middle segment, which I think is cooler. So she was kind of astonished at where they were, but um, she was fine with it. And then what do the girls think? Um, it's come up just a couple times, like, why do you have that on your hand? And I just said, oh, I thought it'd be fun. And then, um, <laughs> and, you know, I think they just grow up thinking that dad has that on his hand and they don't really even, because they don't know there's a stigma. I mean, yeah. they're too young to know that, so. But so they're not writing on their fingers and, and saying, look, I'm like daddy. Not yet. Okay. But I know. Oh, it's on its way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Dude, well, that's really interesting. I'm glad you shared that with, with me and with everybody else. That's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I can take a picture and I'll show it to you. Or I'll put it up on Facebook or whatever if you want. But uh, it they looked really, really good at first. And then when I picked them out. Yeah, I, that was dumb. That was really stupid. I thought my whole thought process was, great, I'm about to get out of the Air Force. I know I have a medical condition that, that they're going to kick me out for. And I'm I'm going to go back and I'm going to get involved in the church. I'm going to do youth group. I'm going to do Awana with the little kids. And everybody's going to say, what, what is that? Why did you do that? What? And so I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done this. My mom's going to kill me. You know, I, I shouldn't worry about what my mom thinks when I'm 25 or however old I was. But still, I know she, she like runs a big part of the Iwana club. So she, and man, when she found out, she, she didn't speak to me for a long time. She was like, Oh no. Yeah. She was like, what are you writing on your hands now? I said, no, they're tattoos. And she was like, Oh yeah, right. And I said, okay. Oh. And when she found out they really were, she, she was like fuming. Yes. <laughs> and so now you just bring up more questions because I didn't know you got kicked out of the army. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I was in the Air Force. The Air Force, sorry. Right. And I went in with a waiver for a medical condition and they said, oh, that's fine. You're going to be at a desk job because I was going to be a translator, like a, a linguist. And then when they reassigned me to load F-15s, they said, well, you're not really allowed to lift more than 10 pounds. So how are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know. I just trusted you guys. And I said, I'm, I'm willing to do any other job. I'd love to finish out at least my four years and, and possibly more. And they said, well, we, I'm sorry. We don't give out a third job. You're going to have to leave. But this took place over a year and a half. I was, I was stuck at a base for a year and a half, and I was only supposed to be there for 16 weeks. You know, paperwork just takes that long. Whoa. But I don't really have any complaints. I, I enjoyed it, and, uh, you know, I, I thought it was an honor to serve, and it really hurt Jackie and I's relationship for a while. You know, we were apart for about 10 months, and she was pregnant. She had a baby in that time, our second one, and it was just tough, but 
other than that, we don't really have any complaints. More than ten pounds? Yeah, I yeah. I, I wasn't supposed to I wasn't supposed to run, I wasn't supposed to do anything because this medical thing. And like I was lifting bombs and missiles and stuff. So oh, man. like, you know, to load an F fifteen you gotta you gotta you gotta put the aim nines and the aim sevens on them, which are are missiles, and then you know you put your bombs and everything on them, and we were all practicing doing that, and I started having trouble with this medical thing, and uh, went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Well, here's what we can do: we can put you on a waiver, and then we can send you to a medical board, and they can decide whether or not you." get a new job or get kicked out, and then whether or not we owe you money for this. And I said, well, that doesn't sound fun at all. Can I go back to class? And they said, they said, oh, when I said what we can do, I meant we have to. So don't go back to class. Go back to the dorms and stay there for a year and a half. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it had its challenges. Well, and so you were a linguist, too? Like, you speak other languages? Um, I was learning Chinese. I didn't make it through the course. I made it about thirty weeks out of sixty. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know. I know a fair amount of like conversational Chinese. And so, folks, the rest of this episode, Annie will be translating in Chinese. No, no nonsense. <laughs> Everybody who I talk to in Chinese, they're like, "Oh, your accent's so good. You learn, oh." Because I like to keep practicing. And, uh, you know, whenever I go into a Chinese restaurant or anything, they, I, I, I try to order in Chinese and stuff like that. They probably go in the back and say, oh, that, that guy's a jerk. He thinks he knows what he's talking about. But I, I do it just to keep it up. And I, I, one more thing, one more thing before we get into comics. The awesomest thing about learning Chinese is I still sometimes dream in Chinese. You dream in Chinese? Yes. That is, if any of you out there have taken a second language, I was told um, in high school when I was studying Spanish that once you start dreaming in that language, then you you know it. You know that language. And I still dream in Chinese. And I just, I know the language. I just don't know the vocabulary. I know how to speak it and how to write it for the most part, but I don't, I don't know the vocabulary. So you're saying like the people in your dreams speak Chinese in your dreams. Yeah, and I do too. Yeah, back to him. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So but it was just like uh, Japanese. All your dreams are like manga. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the language, the language. <laughs> Look, your dreams were in manga, and they spoke Chinese. That's <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> okay, comics. I know, dude. Like you're fascinating. We we could talk more about all your. You save it. You write down your questions, send them in to marvel616politics at gmail.com, and maybe I'll, I'll get to answer them. <laughs> They'll all be from me. <laughs> and we got another email from Jared this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what do we got on the docket for current events? Current events. Last week we did our top 10 covers of 2009 and our top 10 characters to watch. In 2010. But this week we're going to hit the books and we're going to do um, a couple current events. We're going to do some um, summaries and reviews of some issues and then we'll hit our Tina Awards, which I got to tell you, past two episodes not having Tina's, kind of missed it. It's, it's killing me. 
uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jared. I'm sorry. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I mean, yeah, sure. Prince, but he, he's not the best. We talked about Prince last time, but Tina, really. It can't get any better. <laughs> it's inhumanly possible. My boss today was like, are you playing Whitney Houston? Because somebody was playing a Whitney Houston song. I was like, no, sir. No. No. If I play anybody like that, it's Tina. And he gave, he gave me a look. I, I was like, oh, no, what have I become? I know. I know. You're turning into one of us. <laughs> All right. Which one do you want to tackle first? Well, I believe you. Are you doing two and I'm doing one? Well, in the interest of time, I think I'll do one and you do one. So I'll be doing uh, Fall of the Hulks Alpha, and we'll try to get a little bit on what's going on. As much as I want to stay away from that series, we'd be remiss in our duties of the Marvel 616U if we didn't at least touch on it. And uh, you, right. and what are you, what are you grabbing? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Siege, the Cabal one shot. Yes. I am super excited about the siege, and I am looking for. I'm almost disappointed. It's almost four issues. It's only four issues. I know, I know. I think it'll be better on the wallets that it's going to be smaller. But I think this this is going to be a good mini series. I think so too. I hope so. We'll see what happens. All right, uh, you want to go first or me? You go right ahead, Mister Man. All right, let's do it. Let's do uh, Fall of the Hawks Alpha. All right. Fall of the Hulk's Alpha by Jeff Parker and Paul Pelletier. What is going on on this cover? Have you you (laughs) seen this thing? thing. This, I don't know what, Jeff Parker and Paul Cornell get the shaft all the time. they, They must tell them to write the most obscure, terrible people in Marvel and trying to make them good. Now, now to be fair, to be fair, I read this issue once and then I read it again for the uh, synopsis, the summary and the review. And I liked it better the second time because I understood a little bit more of what was going on. But really, really, it's full of retcons and just to make things work for Jeff Loeb. I mean, I think they called Paul or Jeff Parker and they said, you know what? Uh, Loeb, uh, painted himself in a corner again, and Jeff's like, uh, is it the lupine stuff with where, uh, with Wolverine? And no, not this time. It's, it's the Hulks. He's got this other color out there. His daughter's writing, you know, these shorts in the back. Can you fit it all together? And so he's like, oh, I'll try to clean it up. And I think that's what happened. This is ridiculous. Andy, I, I don't feel like you're being honest with us. How do you really feel about this? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. These people, this cover is what I expect from the uh, superhero squad. <laughs> <laughs> Them are on the superhero squad. <laughs> all right, let's get into this. The cover is all right. Uh, it's a little cartoony for what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a huge Hulk event, but it's all right. I don't like the yellow background, and it's obviously it's supposed to match Fall of the Hulk's Gamma, which is the other side of this cover that fits together. And I've started looking for that now ever since last episode where you showed me Legacy 220, 221, 222. So good for me. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we start out many years ago, I believe, uh, in Antarctica, so the South Pole. 
Uh, a group of very smart supervillains are raiding the Eternals' home in hopes to find uh, the remainder of the Library of Alexandria. And this group of baddies has been brought together by the leader, which is a Hulk villain. The members of the group that are calling themselves the Intelligentsia are the Wizard, Egghead, the Mad Thinker, the Red Ghost, and Doctor Doom. Uh, they take all the weapons, artifacts, and knowledge they, that they stole back to Doctor Doom's place in Latveria, and then they and actually they divide things up. They say that all the knowledge and, and library go to Latveria, and all the weapons and artifacts go somewhere else, as per some agreement that we are not privy to. And then they prepare to make another raid, and this time it's on Wakanda. And in the meantime, Egghead dies at the hands of the Avengers in between that time. Then a new member is added, MODOK, and uh, they go to Wakanda and they find a way to manipulate storm clouds to funnel cosmic energies, creating a path that will eventually bring uh, vibranium meteorites down to Earth, and that's what Wakanda did. Uh, but later, back in Latveria, or no, uh, yeah, down to Earth, right, vibranium. Uh, later, they build a tachyon beam uh, based on these principles in Latveria, uh, which eventually attracted the Beyonder. And, you know, that whole thing was Secret Wars. The group continued their collusion and eventually found Betty Ross in stasis and kidnapped her and said they could use her for leverage. Uh, next, we see Doc Doom calling the leader and gloating that the Illuminati had a plan to get rid of the Hulk and, and to take that pleasure away from the leader. He's gloating about it. And with the Hulk gone, they kick around the idea of acquiring a new membership of Amadeus Cho into the, their group, the Intelligentsia, yet they stop short of confronting him. The group continues to amass the Alexandrian Library, and this time from Atlantis. But when they return to Latveria to deposit the new material, they are betrayed by Dr. Doom, and the Intelligentsia is no more. The leader walks away in the midst of a battle and goes into hiding only to be confronted by MODOK later. And MODOK talks about wiping out all of their enemies by combining cosmic energy with gamma radiation to create a smarter but more negotiable Red Hulk. And that's where we end this issue. Any comments? No, I was waiting for yours. I'm, I'm afraid to speak. I Then maybe I should go first real quick. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is the poor man's cabal, like extremely poor, um, working minimum wage, cleaning toilets. And no offense to those people, but obviously you're not a rich cabal member, but this is like extremely poor man's cabal. Um, lots of going back, making stuff up to make it fit. Uh, art is, eh. It is just kind of like, you end the issue saying, what? All right, your turn. No, I, I think you're right. I thought the art was okay just because it's, I don't think it what it, it was what it should have been for like a massive Hulk thing. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be the real big deal for the Hulk this year and world, I fall the Hulks and then world war Hulks, I think is coming next. And, but the, the art's okay for a regular comic book, but not for this. And, the paneling, they're trying to fit so much in there. And the reason why they're trying to fit so much in there, like everything seems so squished. 
And it's because they keep retconning everything. And do they have to make everything fit together in the Marvel Universe? Like, do they have to have a, a, a new reason why the Beyonder came? And what does it have to do with the leader? And why would it, why would it matter? Why did uh, Doctor Doom betray them? I, this is just, it's so loosely written. I won't say it's poorly written, but it's so loosely written. The, the things, they tie together, but it's such a stretch to make everything go together. And the only thing I liked about this was that they had to react to other things that were going on in the Marvel Universe. If, if you believe that this was actually going on while the other events were taking place. Cause, yeah, the leader had to readjust his plan. Yeah, they took Betty Ross and now, you know, it doesn't matter because it, it even says in there, well, we didn't have to use her because they got rid of her, but they needed to get her anyway because she's going to be used in the upcoming story arc. So it's, it's just a shame they had to do this. They like out of the blue, Jeff Loeb's like, Oh, you know what? People have been manipulating and hiring the Red Hulk the entire time. He's not acting of his own accord. And then Marvel's like, and the editorial staff's like, oh, well, uh, we, well, we need a background story. It's kind of out in the open. I wish you told us this before. Jeff Parker, can you write a background story about some very important supervillains that we're not using anywhere else in the Marvel Universe <laughs> that really can manipulate the Hulk and Banner in a way that makes sense and fits in with the rest of the Marvel Universe? It's so contrived. I don't know. I'm done with this thing. You're done. <laughs> I mean, did you read um, Gamma yet? Follow the Hulk's Gamma? No, I've not gotten to Gamma. Okay. it It's nothing like this. It's nothing like this. I thought it was going to be a continuation of this story, and it's not. So this story better... I, I don't know what I want. I, I, I honestly want this story to not exist instead of everything else fitting in with this. But I've been so disappointed with Red Hulk the whole, t- whole time. I think he, his character has so much promise, but what they're doing with him is just, they're ruining him for the rest of the Marvel universe. Like no writer is going to want to touch him after this. Yeah. What you, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to retcon all this? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So all that it was it was a big flop. Yeah, two thumbs down definitely. Yes. So it's all you. Siege of the Cabal. This is something I'm looking forward to. Alright, Siege of the Cabal was I mean, Andy and I are you you and I were really into the Cabal and really into Siege. So this was great to just have a one shot. You know, anytime I can get more in depth and background and see what's going on. Um Concerning the Cabal or like the Illuminati, those little covert groups, uh, but not the Hulk villain group. <laughs> I'm all about. <laughs> uh, we open up with this this cover by David Finch. Um, it's extremely extremely detailed. Um, I'm not a big fan. Uh, it's almost it's just like overkill almost. Well, I thought you said you didn't like Hitch. I don't like Hitch. I def- that Andy and I had talked yesterday about uh, today's episode. And I told him I didn't like Brian Hitch. And I don't like Brian Hitch, but I don't really care for this either. <laughs> <laughs> but is Finch better than Hitch in general? Or is it just, I mean, is it just this cover? Or is it you don't like his I, stuff in general? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Finch. But I, Finch is a much better artist, I think, than Brian Hitch. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. His stuff, I know I talk about this all the time, but his stuff on um, Moon Knight, the early Moon Knight stuff, um, yeah. early, like earlier, the, the latest volume, is fantastic. I mean, Lionel U is good, but Finch for Moon Knight is better. And dude, look at look at Taskmaster Shield. Remember last episode he had a he had a plate. Now he has a man shield. That's how the shield should look, like a man. Do you remember in Dark Reign the list Punisher how his weapons kept expanding because of pin particles? No. <laughs> how how the Punisher like would pull out this teeny gun and then it would expand. So are you just trying to use that excuse for his, that awful cover? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so the siege opens with um, Norman Osborn having a conversation with what appears to be himself, um, more than more than likely not uh, the Green Goblin persona, uh, just talking about all the things that are are coming about. Um, and, and readers, if you don't know, Annie and I are trying to do a bit of a shorter episode uh, just to see how that flows. So we're going to try and keep this one down a little bit shorter. And that includes our reviews being a little bit shorter. Uh, so Norman is having a conversation about himself and uh, what he needs to do to really make uh, an impression in history and what he'll be remembered for. It turns out Norman's actually talking to the mask of the Green Goblin. He says that you always know what to say. Uh which is some very, very good dialogue in there. Definitely pick this up. I know I've not been reviewing it, but definitely pick this issue up uh, and take a look. Uh, we scan over to a secret meeting of the Cabal with Iron Patriot, a.k.a. Norman Osborn, and the Hood, and Loki, and Taskmaster waiting for Dr. Doom to appear. Uh, Doom shows up, and uh, he says that he wants Iron Patriot and the Cabal to reverse their course of action against Namor. Uh, Doom refuse. I mean, Iron Patriot refuses, uh, saying that he has to be taken down uh, both publicly and privately. Doom makes an assumption and, and says that that Iron Patriot is going to eventually just pick off everybody if they do not bow or do what he says. This causes a pretty big uproar between Iron Patriot and Doom. It turns out that uh, Iron Iron Patriot brings out the character that has threatened Doom all this time and kind of kept Doom in his place. We're still not really sure who that is. With uh, Taskmaster also being upset and, and the Hood and Loki drawing their weapons as this character emerges from the darkness, uh, this character attacks Doom and he goes flying out of the room as Iron Patriot and this character prepare for battle against Doom as Hood and Loki disappear. Uh, Doom and Iron Patriot go at it with, it looks like Doom exploding. The Iron Patriot walks over in front of Doom, and out of Doom's uh, fake body, it's not really Dr. Doom that was there, come thousands, if not millions, of small little Doom robotic insects, uh, and they start to attack. So Iron Patriot orders the tower to be evacuated uh, as they're just swarming and taking over. There's a really good visual of the Stark Tower and the bottom just being encapsulated by these these little nanite-like bugs. Sentry refuses order his orders by Victoria Hand. Is that her name? Yep. All right, by Victoria Hand uh, to get on the, the Quinjet or whatever. The, yeah, that's Avengers Quinjet. 
and uh, uh, he heads off to help Norman. Sentry just attacks the power source, which is the robot body, uh, destroys it, and all the little robotic insects come tumbling down. Norman says that he knows that Doom can still hear him, um, and that he's making a huge, dumb, arrogant mistake because he just declared war on the United States, which is 50 times the size of Latveria. Uh, Doom says that Norman is fighting too many wars, too many fronts, and that he needed to teach Norman a lesson that he's not to fight with Doom, not to take on Doom or lay his hands on him, and that uh, he won't be forgiving next time, that he'll take down Norman and his son. Uh, we cut to the next day, and Norman is talking with the president and requesting to take on, he is requesting to take on Asgard. Uh, he says it needs to come down. The president says that Norman has made too many failures, uh, especially with what happened last night. So Norman blames it on Tony Stark's old armor and technology or whatever. Uh, Loki appears and, and Norman says that it's going to be harder to uh, take Asgard than what he thought. And Loki says that what needs to happen is the same thing that happened to start the Civil War. They need some kind of disaster and that Loki can arrange it. Um, but right now Norman needs to hold it together and be strong. Norman ends it with saying, I am, I will, I'm okay. And the last page is a picture of Norman, hands out in front of a picture of six Avengers, and to be continued in Siege Number One. It was a that was a quick review. It is a very interesting issue. See that now Doom is no longer in the Cabal and has taken on uh, Osborn. Like the Cabal is somewhat falling apart with the defections of Doom, Namor, and Emma Frost. Like you had said last episode, Loki is really someone to be watching because he's kind of pulling all the strings and, and uh, he's going to get Asgard for himself by pulling Norman's strings and uh, working out whatever needs to happen. I, I enjoyed the issue. I thought, I thought it was great. I, Taskmaster was brought into the Cabal and as, a, as a heavy hitter and I think that that took the hood aback a little bit and they touched on that in the latest issue of Avengers The Initiative which is good. Go ahead and read that. I think it's I think it's 31, maybe? Issue 31? But I find this really interesting. Who in the world could Norman think he could threaten Dr. Doom with? Yeah, I know. I mean, because you would think, you would think maybe Mephisto, uh, or, or maybe, um, you know, like, whoever that witch is that he keeps going back in time with, something like that. But the hood says, what in the world is that? Not who in the world is that? And I thought for a second, maybe the sentry, but the sentry's downstairs. It looks like at least. And then possibly, and this is what maybe I'm thinking, it might not fit in with the rest of of what's going on in X-Men and everything, but maybe it's the void. So I don't know. That's, that's the biggest question mark in this issue for me. Um, I'm kind of also interested in what they were, what they were getting at in the last panel with Norman standing in front of that picture. You know, the picture of the old Avengers. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what message that's supposed to send. What is Bendis trying to tell us? Because he doesn't tend to do things, you know, by accident. So. You know, definitely that last panel means something, whether that's the bring back the age of heroes mm-hmm. or, or what that means. That, that panel is something. <laughs> Right, yeah. 
So I, I think it's interesting that though in that picture, unless that's unless that's canonized somewhere else, that that's the picture in the Avengers, you know, tower. First of all, I'm surprised it's still up. But secondly, I'm surprised that uh, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man aren't in the middle. Like, they aren't center stage. You know what I mean? Yeah, Scarlet Witch. Right, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. That I think that's... I don't know what that's saying. Because if, if they were all in the middle and the other Avengers were around them, you could say, okay, everybody's going to have to come together because of Siege. But the Scarlet Witch is in there. Quicksilver's in there, which, man, if you are reading Mighty Avengers, God be with you, because it is it is awful, especially how they're writing Quicksilver. It's terrible. It's terrible. So, I, and, I mean, compared to how Peter David wrote him, it might be pretty good, but it's still, it's, it's lacking. So, I don't know. I'm really excited for Siege. I think Siege came out um, last week or the week before. And uh, I haven't read it yet, but I am I am ex- I am really excited to see that. And I don't know if you read this Origins of Siege. Yes, the free one. Yes, um, they had like I think eight pages of extra, and it kind of just went together with uh, Loki and Norman talking a little bit more. Was the only real material back in there. So yeah, I thought that was good too. That fits in quite well as well. Yeah, the only disappointment with this was the art. I just didn't care for the art. Yeah, it kind of felt grainy. Yeah. I saw that too. Especially at, at three ninety nine for this issue. Right. Yeah. I want I want something a little bit better for my buck. And not only that, but three ninety nine for an issue where they give you a preview of the next one. I don't want I don't like previews of the next one because I want to read it all at once. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. they give you an eight page preview, that's almost half the story. So then I gotta pay for one issue, half the story of the next, and then I gotta pay full price for the next issue. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not with that. But so we both agree we like that one though. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And I really, I can't wait to see who Norman was threatening with, and I hope that that shows up in this, in the next one, you know, in like in Siege. I hope they don't shelve that for a while. All right, well, we might have time, if you want, to do um, Captain America, Who Will Wield the Shield, if you want. Honestly, Andy, I didn't get to read that one. Oh, okay. And I really want to read it. Okay, so you don't want me to spoil it for you. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you want to review it, that's fine. But I'm just working my way through uh, The Reborn. No, no, we'll go on to the Tinas. Find out what happens. (laughs) (laughs) No, but see, that's the thing, though. Um, let's talk about this for just a little bit. I wanted to hit on it last episode, but we didn't have time. State of the Union. What's going on? Uh, kind of a, a State of the Union thing, um, just with Captain America Reborn. All right, you are working your way through Captain America Reborn. Currently, there are, by the time we're recording this, there are five issues of Captain America Reborn out. And there was supposed to be only five issues, but it got push back to a sixth issue. And the problem is that the rest of the Marvel Universe, Captain America keeps popping up. Where we are now with um, things is that, you know, Steve is, uh, he's on his way back. We know that. And I'll try not to spoil this for you or anybody else out there. But the 
the Red Skull and Doom and Osborn have big plans for him and they're not going to bring him back in the way that they want. They want to control him. But the problem is we've seen him in New Avengers, the annual. We've seen him in uh, Fall of the Hulk's Gamma. He was there. Uh, and we've seen him in um, Invincible Iron Man. So we know that Steve survives. Now, we could all surmise that Steve is going to survive anyway. Oh, and not only that, but like I said, uh, Captain America, who will wield the shield? He's also, you know, he's in that. And so we see, yeah, he survives. And and yeah, who will wield the shield does not give away anything of, of how it happened, how he came back. But it's kind of just disconcerting for those who are, you know, continuity buffs. And But one thing I will say on on behalf of Marvel, they do hear what we have to say. And I haven't been complaining loud, but I, I a lot of people are. Tom Brevort, right? I mean, I, we'll just call him something different every week. <laughs> you you kill me. Well, how come everybody's so hard that their names are so hard? I, yeah. Where are John Smith? Why is he not writing? <laughs> Dan Buckley. I can do that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So Tom Brevort, he had uh, released on Marvel in a, a little editorial that says, Yes, it's not a perfect thing. Yes, we're aware of it. We tried. You know, Ed Brubaker tried. He sent in his script for number five, and it was just too packed solid. It wasn't a good story, as in it didn't have a good flow. We said, well, the only thing we can do is, you know, let's have it one more issue, finish it out right, have a strong story instead of something that just peters out, and then we'll compare everything else at the end, you know, and and we'll just try to tweak the other stuff so it doesn't give away what happened. And yeah, we we see we've seen that before in the Marvel universe, uh, and it works fine. And I think we're more forgiving in the other parts of the Marvel universe. But since we've been waiting for this for so long, is he going to come back? How is he going to come back? How is he going to defeat when he's dead? You know, it kind of adds to the intensity and the discontent of you know why are they doing this? But like I said, he. He released an editorial and he kind of gave an apology, but he said that, you know, they're not happy with the situation either. And it stinks for them, too, because not only are they um, writers and editors, but they're fans as well. And they want good stories, too. So that was kind of, you know, I was happy and I feel like Marvel really does take care of their fans. That's good enough for me for now. I can go with that. They admitted it. You know, they didn't just try and brush it under the carpet like it didn't happen. Right, and they even said that, you know, we learned our lesson from uh, Civil War, and, you know, we had to hurry that up, and, and that didn't turn out as good. And um, so we weren't going to do that again. We're going to take our time. We're going to make it come out right. And But, I mean, come on. Ed Brubaker and Mark Millar, you can't even compare the two. Ed Brubaker's yeah. so much better, I think, than Mark Millar. So. All right, well, that was a good... State of the Union, real quick right there. You are you ready for the Tinas? The Tina Award. I only have one, man. Okay, alright. Well, I have two, so it works out. Okay, good. Alright. I will go with what we were just talking about. Tina Turner sings a song, Ball of Confusion, right? Yes, she does. Alright, 
fantastic. And this is for Captain America, and I know I, I'm sticking up for him and everything, but showing up in the new Avengers and Iron Man and everything before um, Reborn came out, because when I first read it all, I I was really confused, and I didn't know what was going on, and I was like, did I miss an issue? Um, is this really him? Is he taken over by the Red Skull? Is this, you know, a Doom bot? Is this Osborn's plan to get, uh, you know, Iron Man? And everybody was treating him nice in Iron Man. Everybody was like, oh, Steve, come on in here. And I was like, no, don't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, so I was a little bit confused. And, I, and that was before I read anything and people were complaining. So that the ball of confusion goes to uh, Captain America Reborn. I don't think that could have been a more perfect award for that. That was that was perfect. Ah, uh, yes. I agree. <laughs> My Tina Award is Don't Turn Around. Norman Osborn underestimating Dr. Doom in Siege Cabal. Ooh, good one. I I think that Norman has been getting a little bit cocky, kind of running his own show, and has forgotten who Doctor Doom is. I mean, when it when it boils down to it, you know, the Green Goblin and the and Doctor Doom, like this, just not even a contest. Yep, you're right. Going to take it any day. Exactly. Nah, Osborne, you know, he's not Green Goblin right now. He he's a man with a lot of power. Uh, but he's just gotten, as Grandma would say, too big for your britches. <laughs> and, uh, he almost uh, got taken out for it if Sentry wouldn't have shown up. So, Norman Osborn, don't turn around on uh, Dr. Doom. That's good. I thought you were going to say don't turn around because then you might see who he's threatening Dr. Doom with. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you might be scared too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's good. Every time I look at these Tina Awards, I'm, I'm like trying to remember not only, you know, what I read and what we're reviewing and things like that, but also like some of the lyrics of, of Tina Turner songs that I've read. And oh man, I have a hard time because I'm not as familiar with Tina as. Well, there's something you can do about that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I suppose there is. I could load up my iPhone with all Tina Turner. There we go. That's all I do. <laughs> But, I mean, Our Lady Peace just came out with a new album, so, I mean, how can I... Did they really? Oh, yeah! You haven't heard it? Uh, I didn't know that they did anything since their their one song back in, like, high school or junior high. Shame on you. No, yeah, I... Their song. Oh, it's fantastic, man. It's called Burn, Burn, and I would recommend it. Burn, Burn. I'll, I'll throw a song or two your way. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, it's... Man, they their music, I don't know how they do it. It just keeps getting better and better. And how do they put out good music all the time? I here I thought they were a one-hit wonder. I didn't know they did anything else. No, really? You're missing out. You are missing out. They have at least like seven discs, if not more, seven albums. Not big on the radio anymore, I guess. Probably not. I don't know. I don't listen to the radio, but... I gotta tell you, if you give them a chance, because the guy's voice, voice is hard to get used to. But then, if you give it a chance, it, it'll catch on. Well, I'll definitely check them out. I'm more than happy. I'm open. All right. The third and final Tina is Break Every Rule. I'm so in love with you. I'm in love with you, baby. I'm break every rule. 
Ball of the Hulk's Alpha. <laughs> Good one. All the retconning, all the misplanning that took place in that book to get that stuff on paper is is exactly what you don't want to put in a comic book. If comic books had rules, okay, you want the plot to flow, you want it to make sense with the history of the characters, you want to constantly build up to what your point is. It no, none of it. None of it. They were like, oh, let's throw the Eternals in here. That's that's good, because they have the library of Alexandria, of course. And so does Wakanda, and so does Atlantis. All these people. Huh. It, insane. Why would you write that? That's a really good question. I feel bad for Jeff Parker, because, I mean, in his head, it had to have sounded pretty good, you know? But if he was writing it the whole time, it might have been better. But since Jeff Loeb was writing it, and we didn't see any of that, in fact, we got defenders versus offenders when he could have been filling time with that kind of stuff. And we got Joe Fixit back. Come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. Idea. A waste of time and money. He needs to stay. I mean, Hulk has had a lot of good stuff. Maybe not good, but a lot of, like, big events and things in, the, like, say, the past five years. And this one just doesn't even compare. No, you're right. You're right. And and uh, Planet Hulk was like, that was like 15 issues. Yeah, that, you, was, that was over a year. Yeah, you would think you would get tired of that, but I enjoyed that read. It was pretty intense. And and even like, you know, some World War Hulk, you know, there was different stuff going on. And then if they're just going to, this is going to be like their last big Hulk thing. What a way to end. Yeah, well, if this is how it is, I hope it is their last last one, because I don't think I can take much more of this. I don't know how much lo longer Loeb's going to be in the book. I, I hope they cancel the book after World War Hulks. I hope that they decide who they want to keep in the Hulk mythos and then get rid of the rest. And and A-bomb? A Come on. No. <laughs> get rid of that guy. Give back Rick Jones. Give us back Rick Jones. But you know Hulk? Red Hulk's getting his own book. Is he really? Who's writing that? Okay, but, um, well, let me let me grab my issue real quick. Um, because it's in the back of Alpha. Oh, um, is it? There's a checklist. Oh, there, it doesn't say who. It just says the next issues that are coming in uh for the fall of the Hulks, and it says Red Hulk number one comes out this month. I thought that was just a one shot. Well, it says Red Hulk number one, Red Hulk number two in February, Red Hulk number three in March, and also in March, Savage She-Hulk's number one. Oh, why? <laughs> oh, no. I, oh, that's terrible. I mean, you got to look at it. Okay, we got, <clears throat> we got Spider-Man, and he gets, then Spider-Girl, and Spider-Woman, and then another Spider-Woman, oh, and then another Spider-Woman, and then we've got his future Spider-Woman daughter. So we got tons of Spider-Woman knockoff. We got Wolverine. We got Dokken. We got X-23. To an extent, some people say Sabretooth when they gave him claws. You know, so you got all the Wolverine knockoffs. You got Iron Man. You got Iron Patriot. You got War Machine. You got, well, and then all the Young Avengers are, you know, somewhat knockoff to an extent. So you got to have Hulk's got to get his to some point beyond She-Hulk. So we got Scar and A-Bomb. And Red She-Hulk and Red Hulk. Okay, your rationale 
it 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 justifies it, but it it doesn't excuse it. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. I'm just saying that's how Marvel makes its money. If they did a whole bunch of knockoffs of Pixie, it wouldn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. No, it doesn't justify it at all. It just means and the character, and it takes so much away from it. Well, I guess I could vote with my money and just not buy these things, but that that would mean I do. <laughs> that would mean I am not, you know, couldn't be addicted, and you know. Exactly. How could you do your sixty plus titles a month? Oh man, I don't know. I I don't know if I could do it. It'd be tough. It'd be tough not to read that. Yeah, we kind of got off on a tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we did our Tina's, so that's good. Yeah, man, we're doing awesome. Talking about comics, how can you not feel awesome? I mean, come on. Exactly. And, 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 you know, macho and like a jock and everything else, you know? All those feelings into one. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't feel like a geek, nerd, dweeb, stooge, any of those things right now. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else? This episode went so fast. It did. I, I like the longer format episodes. Maybe our fans can, maybe you guys can let us know what you like. Do you like longer? Do you like shorter? You know, tell us what you like about everything, you know? We've got multiple channels for you to communicate with us. Just communicate. You know, you know what I think? I saw a lot of them are getting downloaded from China, and I think that you telling everybody that I was going to translate these into Mandarin is really probably going to get their hopes up, and then they're going to be dashed, and then they're not going to download them anymore. Oh, they don't need to be dashed if you do it. <laughs> I can't do that. That would take so much time. Oh, but our listening base would go through the roof. <laughs> We're really big in China. I don't know if you know that, but um, Marvel 616 Politics, huge in China. They would want live live podcasts like at conventions in China. Yes. Love it. I don't know how many... Hey Jared, what do they look like? All we've seen is Andy's tattooed hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hesitant to release pictures. You know, obviously, get mobbed everywhere I go, so... <laughs> Where are the hands? Where are the hands? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a good night, and uh, tell Miss Jennifer uh, hi, and thank you for letting us uh, do this. Same to Jackie. Same I, to Jackie. I will, sir. I will. You have a wonderful evening, and I will talk to you later. Well, do we need to close with our contact information? Oh, definitely. What am I thinking? Yeah, go for it, sir. That's all right. You can hit us up on Facebook. Type in Marvel 616 Politics. Become a fan and interact with us. You can even call us at 616-755-TINA. And, of course, you can always email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com and hit up our website at marvel616politics.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at 616politics. And we will be making the rounds of the Chinese Comic Cons coming up in 2010. Oh, obviously. Yeah, we'll be there. Uh, Beijing, Hong Kong, um, Shanghai, um, <laughs> Xi'an. Sichuan, all those places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good night, sir. Have a good one. All right. Take care, bud.
this train up. 